Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Well, me and our entire family, we were in Grand Rapids this week going to see uh, Patty's family. We had a great time. It was rushed. Thank. It, I wasn't sure how to interpret last Sunday when I closed the 11 or the 1030 service. I said, in Jesus name, amen. And people literally started chanting from the crowd, get out of here. <laughs> and I felt fired up like I was going through the tunnel for a game when it was happening. But as I got in the car and the adrenaline settled down, I thought, you know, I'm not sure what they meant by that. <laughs> But we did get to the airport in time, and we spent some time in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, there is the home of Grand Valley State University. And as we drove by there more than once, it reminded me of an event I held there way back in the early 90s. And I was there at Grand Valley State, uh, and I was preaching a message to a packed gymnasium of teenagers. And... And I thought I would do this experiment, and I said, is there anybody in the crowd today that would like to earn $50? Well, how many know every teenager would like to earn $50, right? How many know there's some adults that wouldn't mind $50, right? Well, so, (laughs) okay, honey, here you go. (laughs) And so, (laughs) and so... Uh, I said, okay, I need a volunteer. Of course, everybody volunteered. And I picked this young man, and I said, here's the deal. Here's how you're going to earn your $50. We're going to take you out of the room. We're going to put a blindfold on you. And I'm going to take the $50, and I'm going to set it right down here in the middle of the gym on their mascot or their logo of their team. And I said, I'm going to yell directions to you. And while I yell directions to you, I will guide you in. You'll be blindfolded. He said, okay, I'm ready. Now, when he went out the room to get his blindfold on, what he didn't know is I told the hundreds of other teenagers in the room, I said, now it's your job to misguide him. I want you to shout out all the wrong directions, and I'll give you $50. No, I didn't really say that. I said, so I want you to just shout every wrong direction. So he came in. I stood right beside the logo. The $50 bill was right on the ground. And he came in, and I started yelling directions, walk straight 10 paces. Well, the place was going crazy. Everyone was, turn around, sit down, do a somersault, go to the right. I mean, it was obnoxiously loud. And before you know it, the guy was running into the wall and falling down. It was a disaster. I said, are you willing to try again? He said, absolutely. I said, this time, I'm going to walk right beside you. And I'm going to tell you the directions as we go. I won't touch you. I don't want to spook you out. Uh, So I'm just going to, when you walk in the door, I'll be right there. And I'm going to walk beside you as uh, I give you directions to the $50 bill. And by the way, the $50 bill has not moved. It's in the same place. And so he went out, got blindfolded. I told the crowd, now this time you got to yell even louder, wrong directions. He came in the door. I stood right beside him. I said, are you ready? And he could barely hear me. And we started walking and we got a little, we we started going the right direction. And so the crowd went crazy. I was literally screaming as loud as the crowd in his ear and he couldn't hear me. And before you know it, he gave up again. I said, are you willing to try one more time? Third time's the charm, right everybody? 
I said, we're going to leave the $50 bill actually right where it started. Only this time, I'm going to whisper to you, and if you'll allow me, every time I want you to turn to the left, I'll tap your left shoulder. And every time I want you to go right, I'll tap your right shoulder. Otherwise, you just keep walking straight until you feel me touch you on one of the shoulders. Well, the crowd went obnoxiously loud, and I just whispered to them. I said, 10 more paces, 20 more paces, a little to the left, a little to the right. And I guided that young man right to that logo. I said, now bend down. And he bent down, and he picked up the $50 bill, and the place went absolutely crazy. And you say, Ken, well, why do you tell that story? Because he demonstrates, that illustration demonstrates that all of us are in a race. And do you know that all of us, Paul says, we're running towards a prize, everybody. And how many of you know while we're running, this Christian thing is a race and we're running for a prize. And, and, and how many know there's a lot of voices in the world that are yelling and trying to give wrong directions? Are you here today, right? And there's all kind of voices and they're pulling from us for, for us and against us. And, and it's why I want to do the men's discipleship because there's a lot of voices trying to tell young men what they need to look like, act like, things they need to do to be men. And I have found that a lot of them have nothing to do with God's definition as a man. Am I right about it? And we can get on this platform and we can scream and we can yell all that we want to, but most of the time, that's not what course corrects. It's when we develop relationships, either with our loving Savior and with some life group leaders and some friends, and we develop relationship and somebody that can come along and stride with us through the valleys and the mountaintops, through the, through the victories, come on everybody, and through the battles, am I right? And somebody that can just whisper in our ear. I, I love it in the book of 2 Kings where it says that God's spoke to Elijah in a still small voice. It wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in the bigness. If we could just settle things down and have a voice behind us that believes in us. Come on, everybody. And that's exactly what we want to do as a church. We want you on the journey. Our goal is to get you to come back again. Our goal is for you to come to next steps and take one more step and follow the Lord every week and just make one more step as we pat you on your shoulder and try to calm the voices of the world. That's why you got to be here all the time. That's why you need to be in church. That's why you got to be in a life group. Because there's a whole lot of voices telling you how you ought to look to be a woman. And how you ought to be to be a man. And, and what it looks like. And what you should believe. And, and what things you should purchase. But there ought to be a different voice that comes alongside of you. And says, ignore all those voices. Let me point you toward the prize of the call. Come on, everybody, right? That's what it ought to be. And we want to do that as a church. We just want to keep you on the journey. That's what we always say. We're just measuring how many are on the journey. It's not about how many show up on Sunday. It's about how many are walking the walk on Monday. Right, everybody? And I thought about, man, if that's what we want to do as a church, how much more is that what God wants to do? What would it look like if we could just walk beside you? And we're trying to do that. But better yet, what about the great heroes of the Bible? I started thinking about what would it look like if they could come out of the stands and they could be the little voice saying, Ken, you're going a little too far left. I don't mean that politically, all right? And you're going a little too far right. And you're, going, you're a little overboard. You, you need some course. Does anybody here ever need course correction, anybody? 
Uh, let me put it another way. Does anybody here ever need an attitude adjustment? Uh, point at the person you're talking about. Right? No, 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 all right? Right? And, and, and so I thought, I, I said, no, not really. Quit it now, all right? And, and, and I thought, man, if that's what we want to do, how much more? What would, what would Noah say to me? What would Moses say to me? What would Rebecca say to me as I walk through? And I say that, and I take you now to Hebrews chapter number 12. And in Hebrews chapter number 12, it's kind of our theme verse for this series. And here's what it says. It says, therefore, let me stop right there real quick. Whenever you see the word therefore, you've got to ask the question, what is it there for? <laughs> and ver chapter number 12 doesn't make, ha have quite the impact unless you've read chapter number 11. And chapter number 11 is this list. I call it the Hall of Fame. The Bible Heroes Hall of Fame. Because if you read chapter number 11, every sentence or many sentences start with, by faith, and it tells a Bible hero and what they accomplished. By faith, Noah did this. And by faith, Moses did. And by faith, Samson did. And, and, and you would be surprised at some of the people that are in the Hall of Fame. They didn't start in a good place, but they ended in a good place. Some of them started in a good place and had a real bad middle, but they ended up in a right place. Isn't that good news? You don't have to start right. You don't have to be right, but you can end right. By faith, everybody. Oh, I love that. Some of you are saying, well, I didn't start good. And some of you are in a mess right now. But the good news is where you're at is not where you have to stay. And so I think about all these heroes and then, therefore, chapter number 12 opens because now we've seen all these people that made it, all of them that have run their race. And so Hebrews 11 says, therefore, since we are surrounded, last week I showed an Olympic video uh, in the stands, the runners were surrounded. And that's how I imagine the Bible heroes, as we're running our race, they're cheering you on. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. How many know when you're running, you got to keep your focus, right, everybody? And the crowd voices are doing everything they can to get your eyes off the prize. But keep your eyes on Jesus, for he's the author and the finisher or the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. I've decided, I, I have oftentimes in life needed these Bible characters and these Bible heroes to encourage me. In fact, I am so, one of the things I love about the Bible is the Bible does not present us with a bunch of perfect characters. The Bible presents, you know, in the world of politics and in the world of, of, of high-profile people, what happens is they try to take all their messes and sweep it under the carpet so nobody ever finds out about it. But what I love about Scripture is Scripture actually uses their weaknesses and their frailties and their mistakes and their mess-ups, come on, and their losing of their tempers and their, come on, everybody, and leverages uh, and shows us that no matter what we've been through, come on, God can redeem that. Aren't you glad for that today? Right, everyone? And so I've looked to them because I've been in some of their messes. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, you're going to look at me like that? Yeah, you've been in some of their messes also. 
right? And, 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 and many times they've come to my rescue. And last week we talked about Noah. And I thought, what would, if every person could come out of the stands and only give us one sentence, what would they say? Last week we talked about Noah, and Noah said that one man can make a difference. If you haven't heard that message, I highly recommend it, all right? Um, and so this week, I want to talk to you about another one of the greats, and his name is Abraham. Anybody ever heard of him? Anybody grow up in Sunday school and remember singing Father Abraham? Come on, had many sons. Oh, you guys, come on, you know it. All right. He started off as Abram and ended up Abraham, but I'm so grateful for him. And before I go to the place in Scripture for him, I just wonder, have you ever run your race discouraged? Mm. Have, you ever, have, you, have you ever been trying to run your race and you feel a little defeated, that you've fallen down? Have you ever had to run your race when you feel a little bit embarrassed? I have. Running at times, wondering if God was still with me, right? Has anybody ever been like that? If you haven't, I hate to tell you, but there's going to come the valley of the shadow of death somewhere in your Christian walk, where sometimes you're going to ask the question, is this God thing really real? Is He really with me? Does He really answer my prayers? Does He know where I live? Did He hear me? Come on, I need some honest folks in here. Does he really hear me? Does he know where I'm at? Does he know how bad I'm struggling? Does he know how lonely I am? Does he know how filled with pain I am? Does he know how filled with regret I am? And I see Abraham about the time we feel like that push his way through the crowd like Derek Redmond's father last week and he comes to our side and I think he would say something like this. I think he would say, you might not be as far along as you hoped you'd be by now. Uh, but I think he would say, it's okay, you should expect some delays. Mm. Has anybody ever had any delays as you're pushing toward where you're trying to go in life? Has anybody had a hiccup? Come on, am I talking to anybody in here? Where, man, I sure thought I'd be farther along by now. I can't believe I'm 30 and I'm still, I can't believe I'm 50 and I'm still, I sure thought I'd have been a lot farther along in life. I think if Abraham refined that a little bit, I think this is what he'd say if he came out of the stands to run with us for a mile or a lap or two. I think he'd whisper in our ear, don't get discouraged in the delays or the detours. How many have lived long enough to know there's going to be some delays? How many have lived long enough that the road to success, it's not a straight shot, right? There's some detours. Some things that happen, sometimes they're our fault, sometimes they're not our fault. Sometimes uh, uh, we find ourselves in a place that we never would have imagined. And, and there's going to be moments in those detours that you wonder if God still knows you're on the map. And hear Abraham say, don't get discouraged in these times. There, there are moments that you wonder, why am I running this race? I should have been there by now. But don't let your outside circumstances dictate your expectations of where you can live. How many have lived long enough to know you've gone through something real bad that felt like the end of the world only to turn around now and see you got 20, 30, 40 years since that day that that thing happened, right? So don't let your outside circumstances dictate your expectations of what tomorrow could look like. 
Have you ever experienced a season of divine favor where you just felt like, man, God was all around you. Everything you were touching was turning to gold. Everything was great, only to live long enough to wonder what happened, to wonder where it went. Come on, anybody, seasons in our lives where everything is alive only to, only to be met with a season where it's full of fall and it's full of winter and nothing is happening, it's just stale and you feel like, I'm just holding on for one more day. I've experienced that. I started off in ministry when I was 19 years old and I felt like everything I touched turned to gold. In fact, I was celebrated in my denomination as one of America's most innovative pastors back in the 90s. And, and I was one of the youngest lead pastors of a church in our denomination. It just felt like everything we touched, God was blessing it. And, uh, and, and, and we were youth pastors at the time. And, and our youth ministry became the second largest youth ministry in the state of Michigan. And, and then we went and took our first little church. It was a little church that was bankrupt in a beautiful suburb of Detroit. And, and, and that thing began to grow. And God began to bless it. And before we knew... We had ministries happening all on that campus from a Bible college to a home for battered and abused women to just all kind of things. Thirteen buildings on one site, church going 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It just seemed like everything we touched turned to gold and God was blessing it. But how many know you, could get, you get a different perspective when you go through a detour you see, it's easy to trust God when everything is going good. But my question today, Abraham might ask us, can you trust God when you can't trace God? Mm -hmm. It's easy to love God. It's easy to clap. It's easy to worship when everything is going good. But I want to see those that can be in the greatest hell of their life and still lift up a hand and still give God praise. Come on, somebody. you got to expect delays in your life. It's hard to run when you don't feel like it. In 2011, the wheels fell off, and I won't go into all of that, but I came into a season where at one time where everything turned to gold, I started wondering, God, are you there? I was mad at the church. I was going to leave ministry. All kind of circumstances surrounded that. I was ready to be done with it all. I was angry at the church. How many know that's not good for a pastor to pastor a church being mad? How many know that, right? And when it came time to say, okay, I'm going to get back in this race, it's hard to run when you don't feel like getting up. It's hard to run when you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. It's hard to show up to church when you feel like God is speaking to everybody else, but you haven't got a word from God. It's like running on a perpetual treadmill. You know what I'm talking about? It's like an octopus on roller skates. There's a lot of action, but there's no forward progress. How I many know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, it's, it's like a perpetual groundhog day. It's Sunday again, and I'm going to go watch somebody else be blessed, and it's Sunday again. And I'm going to watch somebody else get a breakthrough. And it's Sunday again. But it's the same old, same old for me. I know what that feeling is like. And Abraham perhaps saved my life. And perhaps saved my calling. And, and, and saved my ministry. I, I wanted to quit. And, and I've only now come to realize that maybe God did his greatest work in me while I was in the middle of the detour. Mm -mm -mm. I'd say don't curse your crisis because I think God did his greatest work in me when I got put on the bench, when I was, when I was delayed, when I was detoured. Come on, everybody. 
Maybe the greatest thing he did in me was not the years of all the success, but it was the years of all the digging deep and saying, God, where are you? Maybe it was when I had to ask myself the question, will I still serve God? Was I serving God for the benefits of serving God? Or am I serving God just because of who he is? I think he did the greatest work in me during these times. Uh, Like I said, because anybody can trust him during the good times. And I remember one day specifically, and I was literally reading about Abraham. How he had to pack up his family and go to a land that he didn't know about. And I thought, man, it took him a long time to get where God wanted him to go. It took him a long time for God to fulfill the promises in his life. My kids happened to walk through the living room that day when I was at about the worst place I had been. Just utterly discouraged. Really, literally depressed. And I thought, you know what? I don't want my kids to see me give up. I don't mind them seeing me struggle. I don't mind them seeing me cry. I don't mind them seeing me that I don't have all the answers. But I don't want to leave a legacy that dad quit when the going got tough. I don't want them to see a dad that quits when everything doesn't go his way. I wanted to leave a legacy that you could take a licking and keep on ticking everybody, right? Uh, I wanted to leave a legacy because I wanted to show them that when you get detoured in life, that isn't the end of the trail. You just keep noodling through life and keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep trusting God and he'll bring you through it, everybody. Well, what do you do? What do you do in your life when heaven is silent? Well, what do you do when the devil lies and he says that your best days are behind you? What do you do in life when you've had too many birthdays and you're not where you expected to be by now? What do you do in life when you have forgotten in the dark moments what God gave you in the light moments? Hmm. And here comes Abraham. About the time you're asking those questions. He says, hey, expect delays. It's all not going to be just nice and straight and pretty and tulips. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, we were coming home from Michigan on Friday night. We got a, our first flight leg was delayed. (laughs) So, well, that's a bummer, but it's only 20 minutes. (laughs) Then we got a notice that our second flight leg was delayed, and we got delayed, and we didn't get home at the time we expected. We pulled in about quarter after two in the morning, but here's what I want you to notice. I'm right here, right now, where I'm supposed to be, despite the delays, I'm where I'm supposed to be at the most important moment. Come on now. See, if you walk with God long enough, there will be interruptions. There will be detours. There will be uh, delays. But Abraham is reminding us, watch this, he's reminding us that God is the God of the gaps. Come on, man. Thank you, honey. Let's talk, babe. Come on. He's the God of the gaps. See, he's the God of the in-between. We love the starting of the race and we love the finish of the race. But how many know there's a lot of gaps? There's a lot of unanswered questions. There's a lot of I'm not sure in the middle of that. Come on, I wish some Christians would be real. It's not hallelujah every single day. Am I right about it? He is the God of the gaps. He's the God when you don't know where he's at, everybody. Uh, He knows all about delays. Let's talk about his delays a minute. He just wanted to be a dad. And nothing was happening. 
And God promised him that he would be the father of many nations. God, he, we, he, God promised him that we would be 2,000 years later singing songs about him in children's church. And every one of us, Father Abraham had many sons, right? Everyone. But the problem was he was in a gap. He was in a delay. He was in a detour. And what God told him did not look like where he was living. Uh, has anybody, God, ever told you something and your life doesn't look like what he told you it would look like? Here's Abraham, chapter number 12 of Genesis. You can read the rest of this story because I'm going to skip around. Here it is. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now hold on just a second before we go any further. We read that today like no big deal. There wasn't churches on every corner. There wasn't online church going on. They didn't have scriptures God just shows up and says, hey, dude, I want you to pack up from where you're at. And by the way, once you get the U-Haul packed and you start driving, then I'll start showing you little by little where you're going to be. Okay, you can act like it's no big deal, but I mean, come on now, right? And then he goes on and he says this. He's going to make a promise. If you do that, here's what's going to happen. I will make you into a great nation. Here's the problem with being a great nation. I don't have any kids yet. And I'm 99. That's a little past where I thought I'd be by now. And I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Wait a minute. Where I'm at does not look like what you're promising. And according to my knowledge, it is, if it hasn't happened by now, I don't know that it's going to happen. And there's some of you that are watching online or you're in this room and you're thinking, if it hasn't happened by now, maybe God gave up on me. And that's the lie of the enemy. And I've come to remind you that God's promises are yes and amen. And they are without repentance. And if God promised you that, He can do it. Even if you messed up, God can take what the devil meant for bad and He can turn around and make it good. Are you out there today? Come on and say a good amen. He's not a father. How could I do that? Then I'm not going to read it for sake of time, but you read Genesis chapter number 16, and it ta he takes matters into his own hands. Does anybody know this story? I mean, come on, they're trying and trying and trying. <laughs> There's a lot I'd like to say there, but it's a mixed crowd, all right? And, and, and there is no baby happening, all right? And so Sarah, his wife, has a bright idea. She decides, I'm going to take matters in my own hand. Hey, you know that handmade girl that we got here? You know, serving, cooking, cleaning. I got an idea. Since, since God isn't doing it the way we think he ought to be doing it, I got an idea. Why don't you take her and sleep with her? What? What kind of crazy messes do we get into trying to think we're rescuing God to fulfill the promises he gave us? If you know the story, that's exactly what he did. I would really like to know the behind the scenes to that story. <laughs> like, did he, she really have to talk him into it? Or he, was he like, I thought you'd never ask. I, I don't know <laughs> what's going on there. Uh, I just don't know. There's a lot of things I want to know. But anyway, Sarah, the Bible says Sarah was old and her womb was closed. This is just an interesting fun, fun fact. He was 99 years old. 
Almost, it's like, almost kind of like God has a sense of humor because the number 99 in scripture means fruitfulness. Why didn't God fulfill the promises when he was young? Why didn't God fulfill the promises when he was young and energetic and full of passion? Mm. God could have fulfilled the promise just as easy at 39 as he did at 99. It was no big deal to God. So I got to ask the question, why the delay? Why the detour? Why the wait? Abraham thought his best days by now were behind him. Sarah thought where she was was where she had to stay. And, 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 and he, uh, how do I say it? Um, I want you to get the humanity of the story. He couldn't perform. How many know what I'm talking about? His theme song was the old gray mare ain't what he used to be, right? I, I mean, he couldn't do what he was supposed to do. And he could no longer, and I'm not trying to be rude, and I'm not trying to be crude, so excuse my boldness for just a minute. I really have a sincere point, but sometimes we got to jump back into the humanity of the story, and please hear this for a moment. He could no longer do what he at one time could do. He could no longer produce. He had lost his ability. Excuse my boldness, but he was, uh, if you interpret the words of the story, he was impotent. The word impotent, when you translate it, means that he had no power. Impotent. No power. But what do you do in life when you have run out of power, and you've run out of resources, and you've run out of strength? I want you to know what Abraham did when he recognized he had no power, and he was impotent. He looked up toward heaven and seen an omnipotent God that has all power. Come on, everybody, right? Yes. And when I read that story, maybe I've come to realize that maybe God waited until I was in my 50s to do the greatest work He was going to do in my life because He was waiting for me to come to an end to myself. And maybe He's waiting in the detour for you to come to an end to yourself. Because when we come to an end of ourselves, it's then and only then that God gets all the glory and all the credit. Can I get an amen here today? Yeah. Well, I had to come to an end. I didn't realize how much of me still needed to die until I was in a delay. Until I recognized I wasn't all I thought I was. Until I, I had to realize I didn't have as much power as I thought I had. And now, if you read Abraham's story, he's fully dependent on God. He's not dependent on his own power. He's not dependent on the backup plan. He's not dependent on Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar. And all through history, we see God. Watch this. This is a word for somebody. God will take less and do more with it after you've come to an end to yourself. God, why couldn't I plant a church when I was 25? I don't have the legs at 50 to do this, Lord. Huh? Why, why couldn't I have done it way back then? Because God wants to bring you to an end of yourself. And all through that, He wants to prove to you that God will take less and do more. Hmm. Some of you are worried because you're not, as, you're, you're not as fast as you were. You're not as sharp as you were. You don't have as many opportunities. But God will always take less. Come on a journey with me down through Scripture and see Samson j grab a donkey jawbone and defeat thousands of Philistines. 
Come on down through the history and see a little boy with some sardines and a, and, and a bag of Wonder Bread. And Jesus says, I'll take that and feed 5,000 people. Come on down through history and see if David doesn't step to the battlefield with a rock and a rag and said, this is all I got. And God said, that's all I need. Because he will always take less and always do more than what we would do by ourselves. Amen? Let, let me tell you something. Somebody needs to hear this. Everything doesn't have to be working right for God to bless you. Mm. Mm. Oh, I want to go off on that. He, 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 let, let me say it this way. His blessings are independent of you. Let, let me give you some scripture. Galatians says this. Let me interpret. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You're trying to earn blessing, and all the while you're trying to earn the right to be blessed. You're pushing yourself farther from Christ. Because what you're saying, it's my goodness that's going to entitle me to God's favor. But the scripture says, you have fallen away from grace. Oh, I'm just trying to be good enough so God will bless me. I'm trying to do good enough so that God will honor me. I'm trying to do good enough, and you're trying to do good enough with an I have to attitude rather than an I get to attitude. And every time you think you're going to get God's blessing because, oh, I'm going to shape up and do right, you push yourself away from grace. And by the way, the definition of grace is unmerited favor. And that's what we're looking for in the detours and the delays of life. Are you hearing that today? Here through history, the prophets say, because it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's, it's hard to try again when you've been delayed. Anybody ever been there? It's hard to pack up and say, okay, after you've struck out and to walk back up to the plate, say, all right, throw it at it again. It's hard to know you've crashed and burned and God wants to bless you in the very area that you crashed and burned. It's hard to start again when you failed. It's hard. It's, it's hard. It's embarrassing sometimes to try again. But the Bible says... It, I told you this last week, I won't go back in. It was embarrassing for me to come back to this city and say, we're going to plant a church. People are looking around. Didn't, did, didn't, you already, did, didn't you already try? See, it's embarrassing to get back up and try again. Come on, can you guys get into the story a minute? Okay, they've been trying to have a kid. They came up with their own plan, and, and he, uh, uh, the Bible says, slept with, laid with Hagar. They had a child. God said, that was not my plan. And can you see him knocking on Sarah's door? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you busy? Because God sent me back to try again. Mm. And, and, and God touched him. God touched him in such a powerful way. This is in the Bible. So if you're feeling a little awkward, it's in the Bible, everybody. God, God touched him, and he touched him so much that everything that came from him was blessed. Now, that's a blessing. Come on. Everything that, that, that came from him, and we all, come on, Father Abraham had many sons, right? See, it takes faith to try again. Somebody told Abraham, get back in the race and try again. Now watch Abraham come out of the stands and come alongside and say, Ken, get in that race and run again. I know 2011 was a bad year, but you have no idea what 2022 is going to look like. Get back in that race. Don't let your detour define you. Come on, everybody. He would say, get in the race and try again. Put your name in the blank. Get in the race and try again. 
He, his seed, can I say this? His seed was so alive after God touched him that Sarah's dead womb came to life. Now that's power right there, huh? He was so, God touched him, and he was so alive after the detour, so much that even Jesus came onto this earth saying, I am the seed of Abraham. What? Now, that would be a really cool story. You're in a delay. Abraham says, keep on going. Woohoo! Let's sing a song, say a prayer, read a poem, and go home. But that ain't the end of the story. It's a great story. That God will take less and do more. That fires me up. But one day I was reading a little bit further in his life. And something caught my attention that just kind of blew my mind. And this is really what I want you to hear. Because it almost makes me ask the question again. Then why was there a delay? Because here's what the Bible says. Now I want you to think of this. They had a son. And Isaac was born. And Isaac had Jacob. And now forever. Thousands of generations later. We're all saying he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see it all through Scripture. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's, it's a powerful thought. Wow, what God can do with the delays. And Isaac is born. And God's promises are fulfilled. And that would be an awesome story. But then one day I was reading Genesis chapter number 25. And it just struck me on. Are you guys curious? Okay, I'll talk to the curious people. <laughs> I was reading. Because that would be cool. We could, we could end it there. But watch this. Genesis chapter number 25. Watch this. Ab this is years later. Isaac has been born. Abraham had taken another wife. What? And, and now he's further in the delay. More years have passed. He's more than 99 now. And Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. That's a kind of a cool name. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Does that arouse anyone else's curiosity? There was this delay. It felt like it was never, ever, ever, ever going to happen. There was a detour that got him thinking, just like sometimes we think, that maybe God has forgotten me, but God came through, and the blessing came, and God said, yeah, but I got something else for you. As if that wasn't enough, guess what, Gomer Pyle? You're going to have some more sons. What's up with that? He's still functional after the assignment because when God decides to bless you, the blessing always has a ripple effect and maybe the blessing isn't just for you to hoard to yourself. Maybe you are blessed so you can turn around and be a blessing. Maybe there's still some more in the tank, everybody. Maybe you shouldn't just be celebrating your detour for your sake, but maybe it has a ripple effect. Is anybody hearing this today? I see Denise sitting over here, and I was thinking about last Saturday doing Gary's, uh, was it Saturday? <laughs> the week has been weird. Last Saturday, you know, our elder Gary Gaggins passed away, and we were doing the funeral there. And I remember, uh, I remember one day sitting drinking a ginger ale with Gary, and I told him, I said, man, I'm so grateful you're on the board. And I said, I'm so grateful that you would come and help us plan a church. And I remember specifically the conversation. I said, Gary, 
what I believe as we plant this church is we are putting seeds in the ground. That one day you and I may never see or experience the shadow of the seed that grows up. But let's do it together for not just us. Let's not be in it just for us. But let's plant these seeds that maybe our children and their children's children will enjoy the fruit of that tree and the shade of that tree. Come on, somebody. And, and, and watch this. I couldn't help it, Derek, I see you there. I couldn't help it that one day after the funeral, I walked back in the children's room and I seen Derek and uh, you guys checking in your son back there. And I thought, Gary, you, 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 you got it. You see, he understood that the blessing was not just for him, but the blessing was for the future generation. God is saying in chapter number 25, it's not all about you. It's about those that will follow you. And my miracle is big enough to bless you and the generations that follow you. Come on, everybody. See, he was going to give. I like to say it this way. This is just my own little thing. He, he gave Abraham double for his trouble. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I love that. He was going to give Abraham more than enough. But wait a minute. If he was going to give Abraham more than enough, then why did he have to be delayed in the first place? It wasn't like God was going, "Uh uh-oh, how am I going to do this? Because later on, there's an abundance of what there had previously been a shortage of. Then how come there was a delay? How come you're in a delay today? How come we go through the detours of life? Let me, let me wrap up with just a couple of thoughts. I won't preach these. I'll just give them to you. I think number one is to keep our praise and our gratitude on Him. Can I tell you, before 2011, everything... I think success sometimes is harder to handle than failure. Because I was this young, immature pastor that everything I was touching was turned into gold. And I started to believe my own press. But then I got on a detour. And then I wondered if God would ever bless me again. And then I wondered if His anointing was still on my life. And then I wondered, would He still use me? And the moment he did, come on somebody, that I've forever been grateful and there is no way that I am ever going to think this is about me because I've been on a detour and the detour keeps me reminded that it's not about me, it's all about him and it keeps me praising and honoring him. Can I get an amen on that, right everybody? Number two, I think the second reason there might be a detour in our life is so that we can embrace grace. See, because there's too many people trying to earn favor. But if you understand that grace is unmerited favor. You you know what I like about this? I I like that God doesn't just bless perfect people. I I love that He doesn't just bless saints. I figured there'd be more sinners in the room that amen me on that one. He, he, He blesses the failures. He blesses those that have wiped out. He blesses those that have fallen down. He blesses those that tried to come up with a different plan when they didn't see God's plan. He blesses those. Abraham is a great example to us that you don't have to have it all together in order for God to bless you. And even if the mess up and even if the detour is because you made a boneheaded decision, God's bigger than the boneheaded decision and will swing right back around. Come on, in our repentance and bless us. It helps us embrace grace. Give him praise for his grace right now. Come on, everybody. 
And number three, and I'll close with this, number three is it strengthens our faith. Because it helps us to realize there is no mess I can get into that God can't get me out of. And some of you are in a mess right now, and every time I say something like that, you're like, yeah, but you don't know what I did. It doesn't matter. God's bigger than what you did. God's bigger than the bad decision. God's bigger than the fill in the blank, and I'd start filling them in, but I'd miss somebody, and somebody be offended because I didn't call out your mess up, you know? No, no. God's bigger than that. And, and, and it strengthened. Abraham, I believe the reason he took another wife is because his faith was so big after watching what God had done with Isaac. He's like, man, I'm not about to retire. If I'm still alive, if I'm not dead, you're not done. If I'm not dead, you're not done. There's this great story in Genesis chapter number 11. I'm going to read it as our closing. We know Abraham as Father Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But did you know that Abraham's dad could have been in the place of Abraham? God wanted to take Abraham's father and bring him to the promised land of Canaan. And Terah didn't do it. So he went, God went to the next generation. And Abraham almost abandoned it. And God would have had to go to the next generation. But despite Abraham's mess ups, come on now. He got a hold of grace and his faith rose up enough where he could try again. Some of you in this room today, you need to have the faith to try again. You've crashed and burned, try again. You messed up, try again. If I'm not dead, he's not done. Let me read this story to you. Because, well, just let me read it. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah is the father of Abraham. Watch this. Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. He had three sons. And Haran became the father of Lot, because Abraham was the uncle of Lot. While his father, Terah, was still alive, Haran died. So one of his boys died in the land of Ur. Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Watch this. Keep on going. And uh, Abraham and uh, Nahor both married. This just gives you a little history. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, which became Sarah. And the name of Nahor, it goes on. She was the daughter of, okay, you got all that. The father of them. Now verse 30. Now Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. All right? Go on a little further. Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram. And together they sent out from Ur, watch this, of the Chaldeans, to Canaan, the promised land. The promise of blessing was there for Terah. How come we don't ever read about Terah? We don't ever sing songs about Terah. We don't ever preach messages about Terah. History doesn't have a lot to say about Terah except this verse that I just read to you. You know why? But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Why did he settle there? The scriptures that are read through really fast says that his son Haran died. Isn't it interesting that at the place of his pain, when his son died, isn't it interesting that the place that he settled had the very same name as the son that died? And there are many people that you have had something die in you, a dream, a marriage, a business, a hope, a vision, an expectation. 
You've had something die in you. And years are clicking by. And calendar pages are turning. And the time clock is going. And you are stuck in the place of your pain. You are stuck in the detour. Let today serve as a wake-up call. Expect delays and God can still use you. And if you don't do it, He'll find another generation that will. Come on now. Let's not wait for another generation. This is our moment. Come on, everybody. We might not be as far along as we thought we'd be by now, but God's still God. Amen. Would you stand with me all over this place? I've got to close, but I want to close with this song, and I want you to sing it, and I want you to make it dark in this room, and I want you to make it semi-loud.